Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Glad glad you're here. Great to see you. We are in our fourth week of our Transformed uh, Spiritual Growth Campaign. We're doing taking seven weeks to experience the transformation that uh, that God gives us. And um, we've been opening our Bibles each week in our services. And when we gather uh, as adults in our 110 life groups that are going through this study, also our middle and high school students and our elementary kids in age-appropriate uh, fashion are studying the same things and themes from the Scriptures that we are. Uh, so we're, kind of, we're on a journey uh, together, not only to understand, but to apply uh, what we learn and experience God's touch in our lives. We, we have looked at um, our spiritual health. We've looked at our physical health. We've seen what the Bible says uh, last week about uh, the transforming of our mind, uh, transforming our lives by the renewing of our mind. And uh, today we're going to kick off the week uh, where we focus on our emotional health, on our feelings. Uh, you could call this talk this morning, uh, How to Deal with How You Feel. How's that? So uh, we'll, we'll uh, jump on that theme today. Now, the Bible, in the English translations, does not use the word emotion or emotions uh, very frequently. I'm not sure that it will find that word at all, but it uses other words like passion or passions, affections, uh, the most, the number one use uh, word used is heart. Now, sometimes the Bible's describing much more than emotions when it speaks of the heart, but the heart in the Scriptures describes the center of our being, the center of our personality. Uh, it's made up of our emotions, our mind, our will, uh, but certainly our feelings uh, are there. In Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 30, the Lord Jesus said this, This is the most important. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I mean, do you, do you hear and feel the emotion in those words? Uh, the intensity. Well, God wants us, obviously, to love Him with our emotions, with our feelings. There are ways that we express our emotions, uh, ways that we feel and feel about Him that are pleasing to Him, uh, that, uh, in fact, reflect uh, His character. Because, you know, God has feelings too. You are aware of that, right? God is an emotional being. The Lord God, God the Son, Jesus Christ, uh, when He came to earth, uh, He modeled for us and taught us a lot of things about God. And one of them is that God is emotional. Uh, I found in a great little book I'm reading a description of the Lord Jesus that, um, that I want you to see. If I can find it here. Where am I? There we go. There we go. Uh, 
Pastor Ray Ortland Jr. has written a great little book on the book of Proverbs, and I'm using his book in my study as we go through the book of Proverbs. He has an entire uh, chapter on emotions, and he wrote about the emotions of Jesus uh, in this chapter. And so I, I made the mistake of reading him first before I wrote the sermon. I said, shoot, I can't say it as good as he did. And so, But I want you to hear what he... Um, what he wrote about the, the emotions of Jesus. He says, look at Jesus. He was God among us and he was emotional. He had to be emotional. Emotion is a part of humility. Jesus did not stand aloof but got involved. One of the ideals of the Stoics was freedom from the turbulence of emotion. Living above all that, Jesus would have failed as a Stoic. The Bible says, for example, surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He entered in wholeheartedly to redeem our fallen emotions. So how do we see real and perfect emotion in Christ? Well, in many ways. But the primary way, primary feeling in this world that He showed was compassion. He looked at the rich young man in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, and loved him, the Bible says. He was moved with pity by the leper in Mark chapter 1, verse 41. He wept over Lazarus and his death in John eleven thirty-five. He wailed over Jerusalem in Luke 19, 41. He sighed over the deaf man in Mark seven thirty-four. Jesus cared deeply, and He still does today. Wherever the gospel goes, people's Compassion is aroused. Paul himself wrote, I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. The heart of that stuck-up, hard-hearted Pharisee melted when he experienced the affections or the feelings or the emotion of Jesus. And today the emotions of the risen Christ are flowing into the world through us as we humble ourselves and get involved. Gospel emotions are vital, a vital part of the display of Christ to the world today. Emotions are a major way we create a gospel culture in our churches where people can experience a compassion that comes from God. But Jesus felt more than compassion. He also got angry. He was angry at the Pharisees. He looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, Mark 3, 5 tells us. When His own disciples wanted to shoo away the children, He was irritated, and He showed it in Mark ten fourteen. He was angrily offended at death when He stood at the grave of His friend in John 11. He busted up the money changers in the temple in John chapter 2, and the Bible says He made the whip Himself. So it wasn't a mere outburst. He really meant it. He also called people pigs. In Matthew 7, 6, he called some people hypocrites. In Matthew 15, 7, he called other people wolves. In Matthew 7, 15, Jesus never wavered in openly resenting what's wrong with our world. But he went beyond anger at wrong. He also suffered for it. The Bible calls him a man of sorrows. In Isaiah 53, he took our sorrows as his own. He did not have to, but emotional Vulnerability is a part of the price love is willing to pay. His heart was tormented in his passion. He said, now my soul is troubled in John 12, and my soul is very sorrowful even to death in Matthew 26. 
On the cross, he felt the flames of hell. He smelled the smoke of hell. But he endured the cross for a reason. And that reason was another emotion. For the joy that was set before him, Hebrews 12.2 uh, says. The Bible says Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions in Psalm 45. In other words, he was the happiest, most joy-filled man who's ever lived on this earth. The Bible says he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit in Luke 10. That's pretty high-octane joy when you rejoice in the Holy Spirit. He told us why he came, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus was emotional. And when we encounter His love and grace through the gospel, realizing that through His perfect sinless life and His substitutionary atoning death on the cross and resurrection bodily from the dead that He made a way for moral and spiritual fallops just like you and me to be completely forgiven of our sins, to be completely accepted by God the Father and, and that in Him, His, His forgiveness and His presence in our life is all we need to live joy-filled lives. Our emotions get healthy. Our emotions change for the better. And so uh, we're going to seek to understand our emotions and uh, learn how to manage them a little bit uh, this morning. Your ability to feel and my ability to feel emotion is a gift from God. It's one of the aspects of being created in the image of God. Genesis 1.26 says that God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Uh, it makes us like God. Uh, God gave us the book of Psalms uh, in part to show us the full range of human emotion. We find all, every human emotion expressed in the book of Psalms. And we also we see them expressed in healthy, godly, holy ways. And we also see them expressed in negative, sinful ways. I recommend that you read a psalm a day, turn it into your prayer. You will find appropriate ways to express your feelings to God. And um, so it's important to learn to manage our emotions for four reasons. You don't have to jot this down, but here, here are the reasons. First of all, uh, it's important to learn to deal with how you feel because your feelings and my feelings are unreliable. They're unreliable. Uh, look at they can lead us in the wrong direction. Look at Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. What's the old song? How can this be wrong when it feels so right? Remember that one? Well, about a million ways it can be wrong when it feels so right. Our emotions are unreliable. They are not a good indicator of reality. Uh, so there, we need to learn to deal with them the way God would have them to be managed. They're unreliable. And, and our emotions, when they are in control, make us vulnerable to manipulation by other people. I mean, some of us... Okay, I have a pretty cosmopolitan taste when it comes to movies. You know, my favorite movies, uh, Back to the Future. And so, uh, but, but, but you could see um, Marty McFly in Back to the Future was not quite in control of his emotions 
and it made him easily manipulated. What all a person had to do was say what? Chicken. And there you there you go. Some of us are, are when our emotions are in control, we rise to the bait that other people cast very easily. Very easily. Listen to this. In Proverbs twenty five, twenty eight, the scriptures say, Like an open city with no defenses is the man with no check on his feelings. Uh, so uh, they're unreliable. We can be manipulated by them. Uh, and they can keep us from pleasing God. They can rule us rather than God. If my emotions are ruling my life, then God is not. Look at Romans 8.8. 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So I need to learn to deal with how I feel because... My feelings are unreliable. I can be manipulated. I want to please God. And third, or fourth, I want, to, I want to succeed in life. Your EQ is a greater indication of your success in life than your IQ. Your emotional quotient is really more important in succeeding in all realms of life than our intelligence quotient. Uh, Proverbs 5.23 says it this way, people get lost and die. Why? Because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. Anytime you see the Scriptures speaking of a lack of self-control, you're, the, the Scriptures are describing someone who has no control over their emotions. And emotions run away with them. Now, when we, when we deny ourselves, when we give up our life and we trust in Jesus Christ, that includes our emotions as well. I mean, listen to this, 1 Peter 4, 2. From now on then, you must live the rest of your earthly life, earthly lives controlled by God's will, not by human desires. So, said all that to say this. So, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we deal with how we feel in a way that pleases God? How are we not ruled by our feelings? Well, I'm going to get really practical here. And first thing I want you to write down is this. First thing we do to manage our emotions is we name them. Name it. You and I cannot manage. We can't deal with a vague feeling. We need to pinpoint them. We need to identify them. Uh, and, and we tend not to be good at this. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm often confused about what I'm feeling and I can't define it. Sometimes I'll find myself irritated or angry or bothered or downcast and I just I don't know how I got that way and I'm a little confused about it. And uh, people around us uh, can recognize it. You're, what's wrong with you know, our fans? What's wrong with you? You know, you're, you're, what's, what's the matter? Well, I don't know. You know it, it, King David felt that way. You ever feel that way? King David felt that way. It made me feel a little better. Uh, Psalm 55, 2, he said this, My thoughts are restless and I'm confused. My thoughts are restless and I'm confused. So when I'm troubled by a vague feeling, I can ask myself a strategic question. Here it is. You may now write this down. What am I really feeling? What am I really feeling? Right now, what is this? What am I really feeling? And it helps us focus and get below the surface. We name it. We put. A, we name it. We identify it. Uh, I, I'm feeling angry or joy or fear or depression. 
And then we ask, what triggered this? Why am I feeling this way? Something happened that triggered this emotion. And so we stop and trace your steps back to find out what triggered the feeling. Uh, it, it might have been a memory. It might have been a song. It might have been a report on television or something someone said to us. Um, I, I was driving down the road one day, had the radio on a old classic rock station, and uh, all of a sudden I realized I was just I had this deep feeling of dread that came over. I thought, what in the Where'd that come from? What is this? And I realized there was a Bob Dylan song on the radio. Now, you know, not knocking Dylan, he's brilliant. Uh, but it was it was his uh, song, Knock, Knock, Knocking on Heaven's Door. You know that one? Yeah, some of you do. Um, and I realized the summer between my junior year and senior year in high school, I worked for a pipeline construction company. It was awful. All day long in the hot, I mean, hard work, great motivation for college. And so, uh, but every day when I was up before the chickens, driving to work with the radio on, that song would play. And that took me all the way back and created that feeling of, uh, of dread. So you, you, you back up. Now I had this happen to me yesterday. Beautiful day yesterday, Right. Great day. I had a great morning, was out, saw some of you out at the, at the farmer's market and around town and just a beautiful day and came home, worked in the yard, got all the chores done and, and um, sat down. I was going to watch a ball game and I realized a little ways into the ball game, I had this feeling, what is this I'm feeling? And I identified it. I'd been working on this, so I knew what to do. So I named it and I realized I am sad and discouraged. Why am I sad and discouraged? So I backtracked. And I realized I had, a few minutes earlier, opened up my Twitter account to tweet about this service today, invite a bunch of people to come. And as I was scrolling through there, I I saw a tweet by one of my fellow pastors who I love and he loves me and I pray for him and he prays for me and, and his church prays for us and we pray for them and great partners. And he had given a report about a very successful event at that church and I realized I was envious. And I had said in my heart, why isn't that happening at my church? And God's Spirit just smote me and convicted me. And what triggered my emotion was my sin. My sin of envy. I mean, I thought, what? That is, that's terrible. That's horrible stuff down in my heart. I mean, this is not somebody that I don't like. This is one of my best friends. This is a prayer partner. This is, this is the kingdom of God stuff happening. And I'm in, envious of that. What in the, God help me. That's what I mean when I say we are still, I am still a sinner in need of a Savior. But I was able to backtrack and realize my envy is what triggered my feelings of sadness and discouragement. And so I had to confess it. And I asked, one of the prayers I'm praying these days is this, Lord, show me my sins and help me know how to repent of them. What, and, was, and so I asked Him, 
So Lord, what does repentance of envy, this envy look like? And it, part of it was, I want you to tell the whole church in the morning. <laughs> so here I am. Um, here I am. And, and so, and so I, I'm, I'm betting on and banking on His promise in James chapter 5 that says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's what He's talking about. So pray for me that God would deliver me from envy. I mean, seriously. Some of you can Take the rest of the sermon. Don't have to. Li- you're free. You don't have to listen to another thing. But pray for me. And um, so our all kind of things can trigger our feelings when we do that. When we name it, identify it, then we can challenge the feeling. Don't just automatically accept what you're feeling is accurate. Uh, because feelings again are unreliable. They aren't always reality. King David asked God to help him evaluate. His feelings. This is a good idea since God understands you and me better than we understand ourselves. You know, He's the smartest. God is smart. He's the smartest being in existence and He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. So let's ask Him. Ask Him. Uh, King David did that in Psalm 26, verse 2. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. God will do that. But also, you know that phrase, some of you have been to funerals that I speak at and I always talk about sometimes people need what? Jesus with what? Skin on Him. Yeah, yeah. we need Him not only for comfort, but also we need spiritual friends who will call us on our feelings. Uh, we need a, a, a spiritual friend to... To challenge us. So I encourage you to get a partner in your life group, that, a trusted Christian friend, someone who's walking with Jesus, just like you are, and they, 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 are, they don't have a problem with gossip. You might need to check that. If that's their besetting sin, you might need to pick someone else. But uh, a, a, a spiritual friend, that you have spiritual conversations that are closed, and you can check each other on things like your feelings. Job in the Old Testament, under great suffering, suffering great grief, great loss, loss of loved ones in death, loss of all of his uh, material possessions, loss of his health. He had a friend that came to him in Job chapter 15, verse 12, and he asked him this question. Why has your heart misled you, and why do your eyes flash? He recognized that there were some legitimate feelings in response to all this loss, but that Job had crossed a line into some sinful, destructive feelings. And he called him on it. We all need friends like that. We all need friends like that. I, I, there, there are a couple of guys in my life that are good friends. They are like this. I would trust them with my life and my wife. And, and, and so I went to see one of them Friday. Spent an hour with him, and among the other things in our conversations, we ask each other about the condition of our heart. He's got, he's had permission for years to do that, and I've had permission for years to do that with him. A spiritual friend. It's one of the reasons that in our seven weeks of transformation, we're we're emphasizing once again having a life group, being in a life group. Look around your life group, and you can probably pick somebody in there who can become this kind of spiritual friend. 
and uh, ask each other the questions. Why? What's the reason you're feeling this? Is it true? Is what you're feeling helping or hurting you? So, name it, challenge it. Number three, here's how we tame it. Oswald Chambers, in his classic devotional work, My Utmost for His Highest, said this. Ready? Here we go. Moods don't go by praying. Moods go by kicking. We take action. God expects us to change our attitude. And He created us with the capacity to do so. Now, the world thought and value system in our culture tells us we can't help how we feel. I can't help what I feel. You ever heard that? You ever felt that? Sure. Only problem is you can help what you feel. I can help what I feel. God made human beings with the ability to choose our attitude. Uh, And so look, for example, um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, beg God to change your attitude. God says, well, you already prayed about it. So here, I'm telling you what to do. Change it. Make your You make your attitude. We have some responsibility here, and He will help us. That means I instantly, intentionally dismiss, confront any feeling that doesn't make me more like Jesus, any emotion that does not make me more like Jesus. Fear, pride, envy, bitterness, hate, rage, greed, and so, and so forth. Where do you get the power to do that? Well, you get it from the gospel. You get it from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit, who indwells us when we come to faith in Him. Take a look at um, the words of the prophet Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 6. Inspired by God's Spirit, here's what he wrote. This is the word of the Lord, not by strength or by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I like the way the New Century Version says it. You will not succeed by your own strength or by your own power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, uh, all-powerful. Dogwood's second core value is Spirit-filled living. We believe that a moment-by-moment, empowering, um, guiding, yielding to the presence of God the Holy Spirit is God's intended norm for every believer. It's the normal Christian life. And so we learned last year when we went through the book of Galatians that this kind of power comes from being indwelt by and controlled by God's Holy Spirit. Listen to this, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here, here are two suggestions. Ready? Here's two about how to tame it. First of all, every day, ask the Holy Spirit, ask God to fill you, control you, empower you by His Holy Spirit. Every day. And as you go through the day, consciously say, Lord, I'm taking the hands off the steering wheel of my life, and you control me, you empower me and guide me and He'll give you His power. Second suggestion is this. Ask God to help you manage your mouth. Proverbs 13.3 Self-control means controlling the tongue. Uh, Psalm 19.14 May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Uh, our, our, what we say has a big effect on how we feel and how other people feel. Lord, help me control my mouth. Uh, the key is making God's words our words. And one of the reasons that we are emphasizing spiritual mem- memorization again in our spiritual growth campaign is because we, it helps when we internalize God's words and we make His words our words. This week's uh, scripture verse that we are memorizing together is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now, he is not speaking of, well, I'm just tired physically, I'm going to come to Jesus and He'll give me rest, or I'm tired emotionally, He'll give me rest, even though He will refresh us and do those things. He is describing here the weariness and the burden that comes when we try to, when we try to earn our own way back to God. When we live a life full of guilt and shame and we keep trying, keep trying to be good enough so that God will accept us. All that produces is guilt and all that produces is shame. And Jesus said, why live under that burden? Come to me. Place your faith in me and my work that I accomplished with my perfect sinless life, with my death on the cross for you in your place for your sins and my bodily resurrection from the dead, defeating death, put your trust in me and, and God, and I will, you will be justified. You will be forgiven. You will, I'll remove all that guilt and shame. My favorite lyric out of the hymn we frequently sing in our services in Christ alone is this. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me, in me. And we have that kind of rest. We find that God heals our emotions and produces in us the right ones. Let's ask Him for it. Let's pray. For those of you who would like to be transformed by your emotion, by God, have feelings that are not helpful, they're sinful, they're destructive, then why don't you just take a moment and go through this process? Name it. God, help me know, what am I feeling here? And then, Lord, what triggered this? And if it was like me, if it was sin, then own it and confess it and repent of it. And enjoy His forgiveness and cleansing. And ask for the, the filling, the controlling, the empowering, the, the permeating of your being by God the Holy Spirit to grant you power to be and do what God wants you to be and do and to feel what God wants you to feel. Now, we're going to continue to pray, but I want to address a few more of you here. For some of you, some things are going on in your heart. 
Some things are going on in your heart that you don't understand. Let's get clear. Jesus, in God, in Jesus, God the Father did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. I've already explained it. He left heaven and became a man, yet was without sin. He went to the cross in our place and took on Himself the burden and the guilt of our sin, your sin, my sin, and He atoned for it. He took full punishment for it. He paid the, the price in full. He satisfied uh, His very own demands for justice to give us eternal life. And so, He rose again, proving that He had the power to do this, proving that He can forgive sin, can redeem sinners like us, can cancel the debt of our sin, can give us new and eternal life. And some of you here, not all of you, but some of you here who are newcomers to these things, you're now ready to say to God, I'm ready to turn from my sin and give up control of my life and my eternity and place my active trust in Jesus Christ to save me, to forgive me, to lead me, to guide me, to give me His new and eternal life. And if you do that, you're about to be transformed by His amazing grace. You're about to be given His Holy Spirit you're about to begin to live the wonderful life under His care and supervision. You're about to receive His gift of eternal life. Now, if that's you right now, and you'd say, Pastor, that's me. Right now, I'm ready to give my life to God through Jesus. Right now, I want to give myself to Him. I want to turn from my sin and submit control of my life and eternity to Jesus. If that's you, then all over this room, just raise your hand really quick. I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand, okay? I see one down here on the floor. Who else? Two. Who else? Anybody else? Three. Who else? How about in the balcony, guys? Like Anybody up there? Just going to pray for you. Okay. Wow, people all over. Okay, let's pray. Now I'm going to guide you through a prayer time. This is not some magical incantation. This is not nothing special about these words. God's more concerned about the attitude of your heart than the words of your mouth. So, but if this expresses the attitude of your heart, then you make it your prayer. You pray silently after me as I guide you. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank You for dying on the cross for my sins in my place. I open the door of my life and receive You as my Savior and Lord. Thank You for forgiving my sins. Thank You for giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. And make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen, amen. Hey, would you celebrate with these folks? Would you give thanks? Yes, yes, yes. Great news. Welcome, welcome to the family of God. Let me tell you, those of you who just placed your active trust in Jesus as your Lord and your God and your Savior, uh, you've just joined hundreds of us who've already did the same thing. And we're, now we're a bunch of redeemed uh, sinners uh, saints who sometimes sin, uh, walking together with God, learning to walk with Him, to serve Him. And we'd love for you to join us and be a part 
uh, of that. We want to help you. And if you'll let us know by taking your communication card like this uh, from your bulletin, look on the side that says, My next step today is to... And then check that very first statement. Today, I am becoming a follower of Jesus. And if you'll turn that in, uh, the offering basket, or hang on to it and talk to, take it to someone at our encourager table over here to my right and your left, uh, we've got a packet of information that we want to send to you called a Getting Started with Christ packet. And there you'll find some uh, good information just to help you begin this walk with Jesus Christ. We want to get that to you. Well, let's pray. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you made a way for us. Thank you that you have made a way for our souls to be healed. And uh, so now we worship you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.